We're happy to be back, bringing you another episode of Millennium Live, where we sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. If you're a subscriber to our podcast, then you recently heard our CEO, Alex Sobel, chat with David Edelman, executive advisor, who until recently was the chief marketing officer of Aetna. Well, David is back, and this time he's doing a deep dive, breaking down some new ways to connect with the patient in order to improve health outcomes and ultimately lower costs. As digital technologies accelerate and the challenges of COVID gradually fade, the overall patient experience will truly determine healthcare success, and no better person than David Edelman to give us the inside scoop. It's a pleasure to be talking to you all, especially at a time when we're all feeling so relaxed and confident and having lots of time to step back and think about the future. Wait, that actually was something I probably wrote about five years ago. That's not true at all. We are under siege. And I have to start by thanking everybody on this call across the healthcare system for everything you've done. It's just been amazing the amount of mobilization across the board at so many levels operationally from a communication standpoint managing financials it's it's overwhelming and it's all consuming but we've got to also at the same time take a breath and i think that's why you're all on this uh, and think a bit more long term from research i've seen one benefit, which you know, unfortunately is a, a benefit, is that because of everything that's been going on, most health organizations have very good tailwinds that are helping them from a brand perspective. People realize what's going on in terms of the mobilization. They are thankful for what their healthcare organizations, whether they be providers, payers, and even pharma companies who often have had a bad rep in many ways, they are seeing higher brand affinities than ever before. Um, The numbers are actually quite noticeable. But we can't take that for granted. And we also have to take the time to step back and think. Because the pressure looking ahead is going to be unrelenting even as the challenges of COVID gradually fade. And so we've got to have the mind space and we've got to create some financial flexibility to address some of the deeper challenges that are coming from across the healthcare system. Let's just go through a few of those. One big one, downward reimbursement pressure. It's being accelerated by the push from payers, from employers, and certainly from the government. There's pressure also to move towards accountable care models, which are going to put more of the risk on the front lines. There's also a big change coming up next year as interoperability data, the blue button, becomes more available. And that's going to allow individuals to get much more control over their data and move them to parties whom they think can give them value back for that data, it'll lower barriers to movement. Um, So switching costs will come down. It will expose more pricing structures. And all of that is going to put much more of a spotlight 
on what's really going on from a cost and operations perspective across the board. Digital technologies certainly accelerating during COVID are going to be enabling more to be done from home. And I think what's also happening more broadly is a redefinition of the concept of what a network is. Is a network simply a core hospital and a range of providers associated with that hospital system? Or is it actually much more? Is a network a broader connection that could include community organizations, that could include third parties providing digital support? Could it also include what retailers such as CVS and Walmart might be doing to have various kinds of care offered in a different alternative setting. All of those players are carving out space in the healthcare environment. And from a payer perspective, they're not gonna just simply see the hospital and the system around that hospital as the network, but something much broader that's gonna be a real challenge to connect. And then underlying this all from a demographic perspective, we have the continued growth of the Medicare base, but we're all go also going to see a dramatic growth in the Medicaid base, given the economic circumstances due to unemployment from COVID. And that's going to increase the pressure on the economics. From a Medicare perspective, it's going to increase the importance of STARS as a quality measure. And everything I'm saying is just simply a starting list. The challenges are broad, and the time is tight um, because all this is happening regardless of COVID. All of this is moving much more power to the patient, to the consumer, to the member, as it inexorably does in a digital world. And it has profound implications for how different players in the healthcare space think about their strategy and the experience they deliver. When I was at Aetna, we did a lot of really deep research on how members were thinking about the healthcare system and what they wanted. And what came through was that people felt like they were a rat in a maze. They felt lost. They didn't know where to go next. It was very fragmented. They didn't know how to connect things. They weren't sure information was being moved around. They didn't know whether they could make decisions, how to make those decisions on what was next. People who were working with them, their own families felt detached from the process. That's not gonna to be tolerable anymore. It's just not gonna be something that consumers will allow. So we got to think about new ways of connecting the pathway and making the experience more seamless. We have to do it not just simply to nebulously raise satisfaction as if just measuring satisfaction is enough. Actually, by connecting the pathway, we can improve health outcomes. We can lower costs in the end because most of what people have to deal with is not just a one-time transaction where something breaks, it gets fixed, and then they're done. Total health and the needs that people have have all different kinds of pieces to them that really do need to be strung together to get a better outcome overall. And even with all that, 
because there are going to be alternatives emerging, because consumers will be able to make more choice, satisfaction itself matters as well. And there are many players who are vying to shape that pathway. Providers own the core clinical relationship. They've got many incentives to keep a patient in the system and to keep them healthy. But the payers want to push for lower cost. And that may mean injecting detours in the provider system. New things that the payers might bring in in terms of special partnerships with technology providers, with retailers, with various kinds of alternative settings because they want to find new ways to lower cost and have more control themselves. And even pharma companies may want to take on more risk and see higher value from outcomes. So they'll want to manage some of the experience as well. And then there are these pesky new players, the healthcare technology companies who I've been learning much more about since I've left Aetna and I've been wandering around the world of health tech startups. And you've got a, a number of players trying to carve out specialties like Lavongo and diabetes, Teladoc. Um, my wife, who is a psychotherapist, has an association with a company called NoCD to treat OCD. And they've specialized and carved out that area. And you even have players like Teladoc and Lavongo, they've merged. So that makes them a full-fledged competitor to many of you within a short period of time. So I'm sure many companies who are on this call have announced a strategic priority of becoming more member or patient or consumer-centric. And maybe you've even put some metrics in place. Maybe you're looking at net promoter score. But the challenge is gonna have to be to go deeper and to actually look at the full end-to-end -end experience. Think about the standards that you want to have as a brand and look at it from a marketing perspective combined with an operational perspective to say, what is the emotional feeling we want people to have as they're going through their journey and our place in the journey is going to be earned by that combination of emotional experience plus rationally what actually happens to people. And so that led us when we were thinking about this when I was at Aetna to think about a manifesto that we step back and think about six core principles that may sound simple, that may sound motherhoody on the surface, but if you think about what it actually takes to do them are actually quite challenging, but you'll also realize they're pretty essential. So let's start with the first, which is know me. Know me and know my unique circumstances. Don't just deal with me when I come in on the surface. Yes, there's a lot you may have to do in an emergency setting, but by asking questions, by understanding the broader context, you're likely to find out many more things that could affect health. So for example, one patient who repeatedly went to the emergency room for breathing difficulties and be, was treated with drugs constantly in the emergency room, when we sent a community care nurse to the woman's home, 
we found wall-to-wall -wall shag carpeting. That was pretty dusty. It was actually worth paying to have that carpet ripped out and replaced with better flooring than to have that woman repeatedly go to the hospital for treatment. So you've got to ask, you've got to probe, you've got to find out the broader context. You have to be on my side. You have to understand what I need and what I want, as opposed to what's going to get me through the system fastest. So I have an uncle who's got Crohn's disease, who was treated by the head of gastroenterology at a major healthcare center, very prominent, prominent doctor, but he wasn't getting what he needed from the doctor. The doctor gave drugs and expected things to happen, but there were many more things that my uncle needed. My uncle want, had questions all the time, but everybody in the office of the head of gastroenterology was afraid of dealing with my uncle because he was the patient of the head of the department. They didn't want to get involved. And he just felt he wasn't really being treated the way he felt he needed for more than just the pure medical and pharmaceutical aspects of it. And so he wanted a different doctor in the system. He couldn't get one because that would be an insult to the head of the department. So he talked to his insurance company, found out he could go to another medical center. He did, and he's gotten dramatically better treatment with a whole bevy of access to people who can support him from a number of different angles. And that leads into a third one, which is to help me achieve my personal best health. So looking at it as a broader set of circumstances, which may mean connecting me to community services, such as food delivery, such as transportation, things that I'm going to need in order to even get access to health, um, to get food and nutrition that I'm going to need. Make it easy for me. Things are not always easy in the healthcare system. One of the things that we did was create hubs of information for people who were going through pretty major circumstances. We started with breast cancer and then went through other cancers. These are serious, serious situations that affect not only people, directly, but those around them. And with a series of videos and um, pamphlets that you could even print out of questions to ask at the doctor, what were likely to be the stages? What is going to be covered? What will you have to do out of pocket? What are all the resources you can get access to? All of that was in one place. And those who worked with those hubs, their satisfaction went dramatically higher. And by doing so, you also respect my time and my context. Provide me with that information. Look, in today's world, nobody wants to sit in a waiting room anymore. No one wants to go through endless voice response menus when they dial in. Nobody wants to be put on hold. There's gotta be ways to think about surfacing information making things easy to do asynchronously through email back and forth, through text, taking advantage of technologies to enable somebody to do something 
in a simpler way on their own terms. And then lastly, help me plan for and manage the cost of care. How many of you actually have a mandate that says no surprise bills? Probably very few of you, but the cost of care is getting out of control. It's becoming an even bigger highlight as people start losing coverage during COVID and the cost, because of many carved out specialties, because of what's in and out of network and the confusion therein is making it impossible for people to really understand and plan for their health. And that's going to create, lead them to make choices that are adverse to their health. So we have to help them understand how to get the best resources from what they have and help them make better choices and plan against that. So all of this is going to take macro innovation, bigger ideas about thinking about the end-to-end -end experience, but it's also going to have to start with a lot of micro innovation. And there are some interesting ideas and new technology things that are not big cost revolutionary things that everybody on this call could take advantage of. So for example, on when somebody signs up for a new health plan, they don't necessarily know what they bought. They don't understand all the components of it. It's unbelievably confusing. So why not give them a personalized video that is tailored to them, that helps them understand what they bought, who in their family is covered, name names, who in their family is now covered, with which layers of health insurance? Who is, if they have chosen, their primary care physician? If they have not chosen, give them a link to a list in their area of ones to choose. Have they signed up for all the online support services that they are entitled to? If not, give them a link to sign up for that. Help them understand where they are in terms of their deductibles and explain how all of that works. Well, we did that with a service called Sunday Sky who offers personalized videos. And there are others out there as well. But the data was remarkable. An extremely high percent of people who got a link to these personalized videos went through the entire four minute video. It not only saved us time, but it also lowered the number of calls into the call center it helped people feel more confident and educated and satisfaction went up. The renewal rates in Medicare for people who had gone through those videos was, was way higher than for people who had not, for example. And you can see things like a personalized video being used for a whole lot of things. Somebody going into a disease management program, an asthma management program, help them understand what they'd be getting into. Coming back to the notion of the cancer hubs that I talked about earlier, well, you could turn that into a personalized video that gets updated as you go through different stages of treatment. Um, so that's just a simple example of something that you can do. The other types of things are to help people understand what's next with really tightly timed highly targeted communications to help them understand where they are and what the next best action is that they should take. 
that's not easy to do. All of us who are marketers understand that changing behavior and changing healthcare behavior is tough, but that has to be part of the agenda to get people to change their health behaviors is to help them to move to that next best step. So one of the things we did was set up what we called behavior change pods. We know what we would like people to do next. We know what's in their best interest to do next, but how do we get them there? What's going to be the right creative? Is there an offer? What's the right channel? What's the right timing? What's the right rhythm? There's a lot to it. A lot of different variables to manage. And we needed to find a way to constantly, relentlessly test and learn. So these behavior change pods operate on the principle of agile marketing, where you have a whole set of things that you want to do, a driving metric to go after, and you set up the tests and you relentlessly get tests going out there every two weeks, constantly trying new variables, seeing what happens, using that to optimize and doing so in two week sprints with a backlog of things that different kinds of things you wanna test and a constant need to improve on the data. And through that, you start to see things that will work and start being more effective that you can scale. And different things are going to work for different parts of the population. And you can start doing that for things as simple as just encouraging people to get flu shots or coming up now, encouraging people to get the vaccine. But it's also things like encouraging people to get their levels checked, um, their A1C levels checked on a regular basis, coming in and talking with a pharmacist if they have not been compliant on their medication, coming in and post-discharge, making sure that they've been doing the right kind of exercises and therapy and calling in to check on them and making sure that that's been happening. There's an enormous number of ways to do that. And they'll be further enhanced as we have more digital capabilities to nudge and reach people and ideally doing so in an appropriate way that's not intrusive. So there are some small ways to start through things like personalized video, like thinking about next best action. But then we also should be looking at the end-to-end -end experience and what's happening. And that takes more data. It means looking at all the different interactions, clinical interactions that are happening, service interactions that are happening, messages that you're sending, and understanding what is leading to better outcomes from a health perspective, from a cost perspective, if you're a payer from a renewal perspective, that's not necessarily easy to do, but there are technologies now that are opening this up and enabling that to happen. They're called journey analytics tools, and they do things, um, they basically create temporary databases on the fly that can pull data through what are increasingly standardized APIs or interfaces that go into all of your systems of record, pull in how David Edelman has interacted with all of these systems of record, timestamp them, put them in a sequence, 
And then you can aggregate those and analyze those to understand where are things going well, where are things going wrong. When you start to see things that are going wrong, you can make changes and see if that has driven improvements. You can also see individuals who may be about to face a certain kind of journey and proactively drive the communications, the next best action to try to get them to do something better. And there are tools out there, one of which I've been using called Pointalist um, is one that, that's out there. There are others again as well that are going into this space, but I think it's a very exciting new area where you can see longitudinal views without having to create mega, mega data lakes and big, big cumbersome uh, data challenged programs in order to create literal maps of what the actual journey is of someone through all the systems of record that you can get your hands on. And I think that's going to be very powerful as a tool in distinguishing those who really understand what's happening from an experience from those who are not. I think it opens up opportunities for new innovation, for testing, and it creates new kinds of language by which people can talk about at the highest levels of a company, what's actually happening to people in their systems. So doing all of this in summary requires stepping back and actually taking a patient-centered look at what's going on, recognizing that the boundaries we may have thought we were in are going to be changing, recognizing that there are all kinds of new data sources, not all of them big enterprise heavy duty things that you can start using to understand what's going on in the patient experience and to influence it. And I certainly believe we're going to see more journeys being engineered, especially, especially for different specialties. I think new players who are coming in who are picking off specialized areas are going to be some of the first to do it. But for most of you on this call who are not in those startup companies, thinking about what are the right areas of chronic care or acute situations where you can start creating those end-to-end -end experiences, stepping back, really understand what's happening, finding points of intervention to provide better education and better connection. Those are gonna be the important pilots that are gonna start making a difference. You've gotta get it going and get the dialogue happening so that you can make the economic trade-offs that are inevitably going to be involved if they're short-term versus long-term or this department versus that department making trade-offs, you gotta start with a pilot somewhere to make it, to start getting the momentum and start building the muscle. I believe healthcare is only going to change if we change human behavior. Changing human behavior requires helping people go to a next step, making that next step easier and empowering them. I also personally have a bias that that's what marketing does. Marketing is about changing human behavior and taking a marketing oriented view of this saying it's about building the brand in the customer's mind. It's about educating the customer. It's about creating an emotional pull 
for them to do the right thing, that's going to be what's required to establish the breakthroughs that we need. And frankly, I hope a year from now, we got some terrific stories from everyone in this group, and I look forward to hearing them. Thank you. Uh, and at this point, I, I think, Katie, uh, we should open it up for questions. Absolutely. David, given the shift, shift to telehealth, do you think there's a downside to the increased competition between healthcare networks? Is there a downside to the competition? I, I think there's inevitably going to be competition. Like I am competing with my dog in the background who inevitably is. Uh, there must be an Amazon delivery at the door. I was, I was trying to keep myself insulated from the dog. So I apologize for that. Um, but uh, I think telehealth is going to open up more opportunities to actually connect with people um, because especially for systems you can open up your system from a telehealth perspective and connect what's going on on the phone with what happens physically in a more seamless way. And so I see telehealth as merely a more of an extension of the competition that's happening. It is co competition, but I think providers are in a terrific position to not let themselves be sideswiped because they have the brand they have expertise and they can create a broader connection where that's appropriate. How do you define better experiences? So I define better experiences as ones that actually go back to the six principles that I had, that a better experience reflects that you know me, I feel you're on my side, you've helped me achieve my best health, you've made it easy for me, you've respected my time, you've helped me plan and manage the cost of care. I said within there that the health outcome has happened and that has all happened in the most cost efficient way possible, which means coming back to the cost of care that together as a patient, me and you, we've managed it to be the most efficient it can be. What technology solutions do you think need to be top priority for providers as we approach the new year? I talked about technologies from the perspective of experience management. So things like personalized video, journey, uh, journey analytics. I think there's other technologies in the actual delivery of care that are going to be critical around uh, telemetry, digital telemetry. Um, being able to track patients outside the hospital setting in the home. I, I personally feel the more hospitals can create, uh, provider systems can create a porousness so more can be done at home, connected back with the hospital so that it's an ongoing relationship. The, the tighter that bond will be, the less transactional it'll be. There'll be more of a branded relationship. Um, and that connection will always help the provider be in a position of managing somebody towards better health. The issue is who's going to own those telemetric relationships. Again, I think that should be part of a provider's experience, but certainly there's a lot of focused digital players who are going after that as well. So I think the combination of 
care delivery and extending care delivery to make it more longitudinal, while also from a marketing perspective, understanding and managing that experience, that's, that's the winning combination if you can put it together. So we've definitely seen patient and family communication tools become a top priority during COVID-19. Do you think this plays a role in long-term customer loyalty? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because first of all, communication shouldn't be a one-time thing. Communication should be on an ongoing basis. Um, So health is not about a single transaction. Health is an ongoing pathway, a journey. Um, So I think maintaining continuity of communication where you are giving people updates about what you see. So coming back to the point I made earlier about telemetry for situations where people have chronic diseases um, and you're providing them with information based on their measurement about what to do next, um, how to stay on their pathway, checking in about exercise, about any mindfulness activity, about nutrition, about other supports, thinking about lower cost, efficient ways of staying in touch, using things like personalized video, um, which are just driven by, by data in a more creative way, that creates a very tight brand bond. That's not happening now. It's all very transaction oriented. And I think we have to think about it much more as a journey together and communication will be at the crux of that. David, do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up? I just think this is both an amazingly challenging time in terms of the tyranny of the urgent, given what's going on with COVID. And, you know, it's just remarkable. I I was just amazed, you know, for us at Aetna, how fast we were able to mobilize our communications and our delivery and support of members. And that was remarkable what we can do, but it's also the tyranny of the urgent. So while you're seeing all of those capabilities, I think it's, a, it's also a really important time to make the space and say, how do we take what we've learned? How do we take what we're seeing now and start building the foundations for the future? You know, don't waste a crisis. It's a terrific opportunity to create something new. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out some of our other episodes exclusively on Digital Diary.